0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. Well, that hits the spot. Today is Friday, April 24th. And no, the book's not done yet. Ah, <laughs> oh, kill me now. Kill me now. It could be done today. Um,. I think I misspoke yesterday. I said that I was at 115K yesterday, and I wasn't. I was, like, at 13.5. I was anticipating passing 115K, which I did do yesterday. So that's how I know. Um, And it's coming along. I mean, I'm still going back in, and tweaking this uh, climactic scene, which I believe I said I would not do, but I have been doing, I ended up um, cutting it up more and interweaving some chapters. So it's interesting. This has definitely been um, more like a quilting project than a weaving project towards the end. Um, Some scenes I clearly had to write before others, But then I ended up moving some of the ones I wrote later before the ones I'd written earlier, which is not usually part of my process. I know that some people do that a lot. I had one writer friend, and this was back, oh, best beloved, and the day before word processing, when you could not electronically cut and paste. I know, I know. Clutch your pearls and listen closely. But it used to be that we would have to write on these things called typewriters. And then you would type up your story on pieces of paper. (laughs) This was, I am overstating, of course, being silly. But I started using a word processor in graduate school. I think I've told the story about my beautiful brother correctronic typewriter that I used in college. Um and then sometime around 89, 88 or 89, I started learning how to use word processing program. And an email, A1 mail. We had A1 mail. Um And, you know, a computer room in the department where you would go do that. And I used my uh, major advisor's Mac computer for a while until he started being a, well, he was always kind of a jerk to me, but he would attempt to use various forms of pressure on me. And when my grandmother died, all of the grandkids got not a lot of money, but a good chunk of money, especially for the time, like a thousand or two thousand dollars. And I bought my own little Apple Mac computer so that I could work on my thesis um, without emotional blackmail involved. Hey! (laughs) Uh, I'm much better at working now than I used to be then, but um, attempting to lever pressure against me has never been the way to get me to perform as my mother can vouch. Anyway. We won't get into the whole trauma of my graduate school career. Um, so anyway, I was using... I probably wrote some of my earliest documents on that little Apple Mac computer in the early 90s. When did grandmother die in like 93, I think. So anyway... Um, not everybody was an early adopter of course and you know even now there are still writers who like to use typewriters or write longhand but one of my friends was accustomed to writing on typewriters and she would do that she would type up her stories and then in order to effectively word process them she would lay all the pages out all across her floor and then she would use scissors (laughs) This is where cut and paste comes from, right? She would actually cut up the pages and rearrange the scenes. It, it, there was nothing romantic about it. That's why when people talk about um, wanting to type up their work or wanting to write their work longhand, and I know people who do. I mean, my beloved Grace Straven, she writes longhand and then types it in to the computer. It puts the words in the computer. Uh, She says it helps her slow down and focus. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm a believer. Own your process. Own your process and figure out what it is and own it. But I think it's, um, you know, there's just... (laughs) having word processing is is such a boon, is such an incredible boon. And I remember I had a writing teacher in the early 90s who had told me that she felt like word processing had ruined writers, ruined them. You know, there's always got to be somebody who's like certain that the new technology is destroying art. Um, And she had said that she felt like it was really bad because... Before, when students had turned in an essay or story and then had to revise it, that that meant writing it again because you couldn't just go in and tweak it. And that she felt like this had been the downfall of real revision work because stories and essays were much better if somebody was for, were forced to, if a person were forced to write it fresh from the beginning. Whatever. Um, I will say, and I think this is something I've mentioned before and something that people discover over and over again is that it's definitely true if you have to massively rework something. We kind of need different terms for each of these phases of what we're talking about. That it's much easier to go back and write it again than attempt a really massive revision on existing work. There's, as with all things, a tipping point there. And I don't know how to tell you what that tipping point is, except that there is absolutely a point at which it will take you much longer to revise something than to simply write it again. And it's totally counterintuitive for those of us who have been using word processing for a very long time because you think, all of these words are written. They're already done. This, all of this massive work I did that I have to take advantage of. But it doesn't necessarily um, work that way. Sometimes that massive amount of work that you did before can actually slow you down and sabotage the new work. So in that, I will give to Vicki, my teacher back in the 90s, that there definitely is a time and place for writing from the beginning. But no, I don't believe in this, that it's, um, you know, like killed all good writing. Uh, word processing has been a huge, huge boon. And the fact that I can do my electronic cut and paste and rearrange those pages without typing them anew is a wonderful thing. So, but it is, as you guys know, I tend to be a linear storyteller. And what I have happening at the end here are interlacing events. I have different people in different places and they're moving back and forth and things happening simultaneously simultaneously. And trying to get the right order of reveals and events has been a little tricky, but I've just about got it now, and I think I'm at the the sort of the big the big bang scene, and then it'll just be a little bit of denouement. And I think I'd originally thought there would be more denouement then I think there will be, especially since Jenny said, let's try to keep it uh, around under 119K for this draft. So I've only got 4,000 words. (laughs) We got to use them wisely, which I think makes me slow down too. But, but there it is. Uh, Let's see. So, um, New Mexico has officially had our lockdown extended to uh, May 15th, alas, alack. But I believe that we really will open on May 15th. There's going to be like a Phase 1 and a Phase 2 staged reopenings. So, you know, I, I think that's good. There will be plans put into place to make sure that we do not um, reignite community spread of COVID-19. It's, I'd rather, I was wondering, because I was thinking if they really were going to open up everything again by a week from now and we didn't have a plan yet. um, That wasn't smart. You know, we wouldn't want all of our sacrifice to be in vain, right? So, Three more weeks is where we're at on that, which is funny. It seems more doable at this point, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. The um, sadly, sadly, my event at the Jean Cocteau Theater, um, Beastly Books on May seventeenth, is officially virtual. And maybe that's not terrible. (laughs) Um, It's it's sad. It would have been a really fun thing to do. But we are going to record a virtual event. I need to talk to Melinda Snodgrass and see if she's willing to do an interview of me. And that will be put up on... YouTube so that all of you can watch it and I'm noticing I've got something in my foot here probably a Spine that got buried in there in the callous part of my heel on the side, so I didn't really notice it I have to soak that out Um, But there will still be the books Um, there will be finished copies of fiery crown what they're going to do is they're coming to my house and I will sign them and take them to the bookstore, and then you guys can get the books from Beastly Books uh, as early as May 17th, which is a week before official release. If you are really committed to getting a paper copy, you may do it that way because. Uh, People have been letting me know that if they've ordered a paper copy from Amazon that Amazon's been sending out notices that it might be late because, of course, Amazon is busy selling groceries to everyone and fuck books. Uh, Boy, you know, Bezos is really coming out of this looking bad, isn't he? Maybe he doesn't care, but wow. Uh, So, uh Please give your money to my wonderful local indie bookstore. Um, What it is, um, I don't know if I've ever talked about it. Uh, One great thing about George R. R. Martin being part of this community is that he has infused a lot of his money back into the community. And so he took this um, old cinema, the Jean Cocteau Cinema, that's down by the rail yard, which was decrepit and falling apart and totally renovated it. And they show art house films, and then they also do um, visiting authors and so forth. And now he's taken over the space next to it. Actually, I think he owns the whole block now. So he just sort of, um, the hair salon next door was leaving, so he just took it over as a bookstore. And features pretty much, you know, all science fiction and fantasy books. And it's a, it's really a great thing because our other bookstore in Santa Fe, um, collected works are are terrible snobs and they won't carry genre, or they'll only carry some genre. Um, they are, <laughs> you know, like even if you're a local author and Eskimo cool too, they're just, um, ugh. I, I just won't go in there anymore because it made me so mad. So it's great that George has this bookstore, and he employs a lot of people and is paying them through the pandemic. So if you are so inclined, uh, you can ask for a signed copy from Beastly Books, and it will be mailed to you. So, So there is that, and we're... The event that Jesse Mahalik and I were going to do on May 26th at the Ripped Bodice is obviously suspended also. I guess not obviously, but it, it has been. And we are going to do something virtual. So I think that's going to be via the Ripped Bodice's Instagram. So I'll keep you alerted to that. So cross your fingers for me. I may finish this book today. Then I will probably launch into a bunch of nonfiction writing next week. I have had a couple of um, article ideas I want to write up, and then I have a bunch of guest posts and interviews and so forth to do uh, for the release of Fiery Crown. So if you uh, want to host me on your site or if you want me to write up something, uh, let Assistant Corrine know. If you email through my website form, that If you go to my website and go to contact, Corrine uh, will see that. So now's a good time to ask. All right. I hope you all have a wonderful Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you are staying healthy and as sane as can be expected under the circumstances. And I will talk to you all on Monday. If you get bored... First cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you can find other podcasts there that you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And you all take care. Bye bye.